good and take your Bibles today and go to the book of Isaiah. Book of Isaiah chapter 5. Something I, you know, one of my goals as a pastor is I like to do my best to teach as much scripture as I can. I want all of you that are part of Liberty Baptist Church to be the, the most knowledgeable people in the Bible more than any other church. And that's my goal anyway. And uh, if you all get what I'm trying to teach you today, not only will you be just leaps and bounds ahead of a lot of people, but it'll help you see through a lot of just foolish stuff that comes from people's mouths. You know, I hear stuff all the time that is said that it sounds so good. And you know, you want to agree with it because it sounds so good, but when you actually think about it, and I know most of our country today, they don't like to think a whole lot, but when you actually think about it and then look at what the Scripture has to say, you'll find out that that's not true. As good as that sounded, it is just not true. And this morning, what I want to talk to you about, I want to just a question I want to answer, and that is just how bad should other people's sins bother us? Just how bad should other people's sins bother us? Now, what we are told today is, you know, when it comes to you know our religion and things, you know, it's okay for you to have your own personal beliefs, okay? But if somebody else has a different belief. Okay, one that's contrary to yours, well, you need to just be okay with that and accept that. And you know, myself, okay, man, for, for me, there's just some stuff that just really irritates me. Okay, there's some sin and junk that's going on in this world that just fires me up, that just makes me mad. And you got, I got to ask myself this question, you know, is this okay? Because you hear that all the time, you know. You hear this attitude, it's okay for you to have your own personal beliefs, but you know, you shouldn't have a problem with anybody else who's different. And you know, and I understand to a certain extent, you know, what they're trying to say, but I said I just recently I heard some very foolish statements and I, I went to the Bible because I get bothered by a lot of the sin that's going on in this world. And I wanted to make sure that's okay, because I don't want to have a bad attitude and a wrong spirit, but some stuff just makes me mad. I mean, my wife told me about some stuff she saw just this week that just, I mean, I just, it made me mad. I wanted to go to that place and just start preaching a sermon right there. You know, Brother TC this morning talking about the ball game going on over there. And I said, you know, I'm half tempted to go over there, get on that microphone and just preach him a short message about, you know, going to church on Sunday and not playing a stinking ball game. And it, it makes me mad. Alright? And if that's wrong, I'm sorry, but well, let's see if it's wrong, okay? Let's see. And this isn't just a defending myself message, because I know y'all, y'all, hopefully you don't like sin in here today. And I want to help you out a little bit. But Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20. Isaiah chapter 5 in verse 20, it says, Woe unto all them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Our world has everything backwards today. You know, a message like I'm about to preach right now is considered evil, considered hateful. You know, we're always looked at as the mean ones and the bad ones. And I mean, you stand for right. I mean, you're just you're the worst kind of terrorist. You know, right? I mean, you that you know you those of you that are strong against sin and speak out against certain lifestyles. You know, you're you're a bully, is what we're told today. And I don't want to be a bully. You know, I don't. And people are wondering, you know, am I okay to have a problem with some of these things? But look, understand, our world today 
is got everything backwards. And right here it's talking about, it says, woe unto them. When it says woe, that's a curse. It's not good for these people. It says, woe unto them that are wise in their own eyes. Okay? They're always the more intelligent ones, aren't they? You know, we're just, you know, we're the, the dimwits, the fools, the, you know, that's the way it is. They're wise in their own eyes, prudent in their own sight. Woe unto them that are mighty to drink wine and men of strength to mingle strong drink, which justify the wicked for reward and take away the righteousness of the righteous from him. How do you take away somebody's righteousness? Okay? In other words, if somebody's doing right and you're going and saying, no, you're not righteous, you're wrong, you're evil, you're bad, you're the terrorist. You know, it's like they're trying to take away their righteousness is what they're doing. People who stand for truth they talk about how horrible they are. I mean, you, you, if one of our politicians, okay, we've got like a million people running for uh, president right now on the Republican end. If one of them guys gets up and really starts preaching the truth and how it is, watch how fast that guy will just be branded as everything horrible. Because that's what our society does. Take away their righteousness from them. And then it says, verse 24, Therefore, as the fire devoureth the stubble, and the flame consumeth the chaff, so their root shall be as rottenness, and their blossom shall go up as dust, because they have cast away the law of the Lord of hosts, and despise the word of the Holy One of Israel. Our world today hates what this book says. They hate it. And they're doing all they can to cast it away. And you know what? Many Christians today, we're listening to what the world is saying about us, and we're starting to cast it away too. And we're saying things that just are not true and trying to get along with everybody. And verse 25 says, Therefore is the anger of the Lord kindled against this, His people. And He has stretched forth His hand against them, and hath smitten them. And the hills did tremble, and their carcasses were torn in the midst of the streets. For all this His anger is not turned away, but His hand is stretched out still. This was Israel that was doing all this. This was And the Lord was angry with them, and He smote them. And even after all He did, His hand was still against them. And I believe to, I believe today that I mean we live in a society. I mean everything is backwards. If you take a stand for a sin that the Bible refers to as an abomination, you know if or if you called an abomination, I mean you're some kind of terrorist. Where if you take a stand for those people, you're a hero. You know I mean if I wanted to get popular today and become a hero, all I got to do is just go very public. You know and maybe if, if I performed, let's say a gay marriage here. Well, I could get a lot of good press for that, especially if all the fellow Baptists started bashing me, and I got it on the news. And man, everybody's criticizing me. I'm getting hate mail from all these haters out there, and I'm just trying to be nice to people that love each other. And boy, I'd be a hero, wouldn't I, to the world? But God's going to be mad at me, and people today are falling for this stuff. We're, they're looked at. If you take the stand for truth, you're looked at as the hater. You're looked at as evil. And this attack, it's working. It's getting Christians to back off in speaking out against sin, or at least taking it easy. Okay, we've we've really calmed down on it. You know, I, I heard a guy here in town one day. You know, he said, "I believe in a higher power that I choose to call Jesus Christ." Okay, that I, I've. I just about lost it right there. I mean that you know, and this guy too. You can tell he's had a lot of history with drugs and stuff. So I tried to cut him a little bit of slack. But I mean, I think you got to be on drugs to believe that. I mean, that is just ridiculous. And that works too because you know, if somebody has another name like Buddha or Allah, 
hey, it's all the same God, right? That's what we're told, but that's not what the Bible says. Our Bible says in Acts 4.12, neither is there salvation in any other. For there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. It's believing the Lord Jesus Christ and that's it, nothing else. Okay? And listen, I hope this doesn't come across as a, you know, we're better than everybody else thing. That's not has nothing to do with us being better than anybody else. It just has to do with truth. Okay? And God's word is truth, and our world today is trying to tell us ignore it. And if you have a problem with other people's sins, you're the one with the problem. But let's look at what the Bible says about how how we should feel about this. You know, how should other people's sin affect us? And uh, and hopefully I want to I want to be able to get this across to you tonight because a lot of foolishness on this subject. I mean, it's coming out of Baptist churches, especially from younger preachers. Okay, most preachers my age, I mean, they're getting caught up in all this, you know, wanting to be friendly with everybody and get along with everybody thing. And listen, I'm not trying to start fights. Okay, I, I'm I'm not a fight starter. If I start a fight. It's going to be between two other people, so I can watch them fight. Okay, that's the kind of thing I do. You know, I got this from my dad. You'd see two little, you know, two brothers or something, and you always look at the older brother and tell the younger brother, "Hey, your younger brother said that he could beat you up." You know, and then, you know, and then they, you know, they, he's got to prove, and then you get to watch the fight. Okay, I might do that sometimes. That's probably not right either. But you know, I'm not going to go get myself in a fight. But if you stand for truth, there's going to be a fight sometimes. But Second Peter chapter one. Go ahead and turn over to Second Peter. Chapter one. Well, I want I want to have the right attitude about this stuff. Second Peter one nineteen says, "We have a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed, as unto a light that shineth in a dark place, until the day dawn and the day star arise in your heart, knowing this first that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation." Okay, the Bible doesn't mean one thing for one person, another thing for somebody else. It means the same thing for everybody. Okay, that's just the way it is. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Okay, this isn't man's words. This is the Word of God. Now let's go to the next chapter and look what it says. Right after talking about how we have a more sure word of prophecy. But there were false prophets also among them. Even as there shall be false teachers among you who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that brought that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. It's not going to end good for these people that are listening to false prophets. Okay? So I don't I'm not getting involved in that, okay? And it says, And many shall follow their pernicious ways by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of, and through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment, and spared not the old world, but saved Noah the eighth person, a preacher of righteousness, bringing in the flood upon the world of the ungodly, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an ensample unto those that should after live ungodly. Do we want to get in with this group here that the Bible's talking about that has swift destruction coming, that whose damnation is coming? I mean, this is some pretty strong language that God is using here. God is not okay with false prophets and false teaching, and it is coming in 
big time. People are grabbing onto it, and their end is going to be swift destruction. I don't know about you. I don't want to be in on that. <clears throat> and so, how do we let, how how should this affect us? Okay, what other people are doing? How should we feel about it? What should it be doing to us? Should we be just ignoring it and minding our own business? You know, or should it actually be bothering us? And let's go ahead and look at verse seven. It says, and delivered just lot. Okay, now when it says just lot, it's not meaning just lot, like just the only one, but just in other words that he was just. If you look up the definition of that word uh, of the word just there, it's talking about equitable in character or by act, innocent, holy, and just. Okay, that's what it's talking about. That's how it referred to Lot. And it says, and delivered just Lot, vexed with the filthy conversation of the wicked, for that righteous man dwelling among them and seeing and hearing vexed his righteous soul from day to day with their unlawful deeds. Notice his righteous soul. The Lord knoweth how to deliver the godly out of temptations and to reserve the unjust under the day of judgment to be punished. Okay? So, notice Lot how he felt here. I mean, first, you know, God said that there was going to be false prophets that were going to promote these ideas. We're going to bring in these damnable heresies. God said that covetousness would cause many to fall away. Okay? You know, what is there to covet by lying? Well, you can get a bigger crowd by not telling some truths. You can be more popular amongst you know, your fellow preachers or whatever if you hang on to some of these uh, or if you uh, join on, you know, jump on the bandwagon of some of these new things that are going around. You can. There is something to gain, earthly speaking, in accepting the lie and accepting these things. That's why he talks about they use covetousness. And we're not supposed to do that. The Bible said many would fall away because of that. And so, the sins of this world though, right here we see with Lot, the Bible says their sins, their unlawful deeds, it vexed his righteous soul. It vexed him. Okay? You know, what does that mean to be vexed? It means, it means to labor down or to wear with toil, to oppress. Okay, you know that's a word that they like to use today. You know, we're always being oppressed by the one percent, or you know, minorities are always being oppressed by the majorities, or whatever. Well, you know what? We're being oppressed today by the wickedness that goes all around us today. We are being oppressed by that, and I'm telling you, it, it does. It wears me down sometimes. It wearies me. It bothers me. Just the junk that's going on, and it. I hope it fires you up a little bit. I hope it upsets you. I hope it makes you mad when you're out in public. And you hear some dad, I mean, using the most foul language to his little two-year-old kid right in the middle of a gas station. Okay, I know that's specific, but I, I, just, I just saw that the other day. Good night. Got to listen to that junk. It, it bothers me to hear that type of thing. You know, to hear the music that's played all over the place. You know, you go in the store and just the trash that they play, it bothers me. Just all the junk that we've got to see, the way... People dress, and he's like, Man, you're getting really critical today. You know, I'm sorry, it bothers me. Okay? It weighs on me. And you know what? It's wearing some people down there saying, You know what? If you can't beat them, join them. That's not what we're supposed to do. And notice that Lot, it vexed his righteous soul. And when you look at this story, okay, so it's like, you know, and here's some of the things that people will say, all right? If you start getting on 
certain sins. Well, you know, the Bible does teach that we're all sinners. I mean, okay, yeah, you're, you know, you might not do what some of these people do. You know, you might not be a pervert or something like that, but you're still a sinner. You're still, you know, bad in the eyes of God. You still deserve to go to hell just like they deserve to go to hell. And they use all that to say, don't let it bother you. Okay? You know, back off on them. But look at, I want to show you something here because notice, and then they'll talk about, you know, they'll bring all those things up. Well, our righteousness is as filthy rags. So who are we to get on someone else's sins? Because we're sinners too. Doesn't that sound wonderful? Anybody ever get a good feeling right now? You know, let's just all hug each other, you know, and we'll, we'll call it a day. Okay? But listen, notice Lot was referred to as just. He was referred to as righteous. Okay? And we like to bring those things up. Our righteousness is like a filthy rag, and there is none righteous, no, not one. But the Bible called Lot just and righteous. And the truth is, and we've just got to accept this today, if you're saved today, you are righteous. Okay, look at Romans chapter 3 and verse 10. Let's, we're going to look at some scripture right now. Romans chapter 3 and verse 10. If you are saved today, you are righteous. When you read the Old Testament, when you read about Lot, you would never know that he was saved if it wasn't for what you just read in Peter. You'd never know he was saved. He didn't seem like it when you look at the fact he lived in Sodom and Gomorrah. When you see what happened later with his daughters, when you, when you see him trying to warn his daughters that were married to come out and they thought he was one mocking. You look at him and say there's no way he was saved, but the Bible called him just. It called him righteous. And the truth is, if you're saved today, even though, yes, you're a sinner, in the eyes of God, you are just and you're righteous. Look at what it says in verse 10. As it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. Okay, I threw that in there to make sure you know I know it's there. There is none that understandeth. There is none that seeketh after God. They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good. No, not one. You look at, see, how dare you say anything against somebody else's sin? Because you know what? There's none righteous, no, not one. There is none that doeth good. And you know, that's quoting an Old Testament scripture, by the way, too. And let's keep reading. Their throat is an open sepulchre. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace have they not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that what things soever the law saith, it saith to them who are under the law that every mouth may be stopped and all the world may become guilty before God. Therefore, by the deeds of the law, there shall no flesh be justified in his sight. For by the law is the knowledge of sin. But now the righteousness of God without the law is manifested, being witnessed by the law and the prophets, even the righteousness of God, which is by faith of Jesus Christ unto all and upon all them that believe, for there is no difference, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, being justified freely by His grace. See that word being justified? Being justified freely by His grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God hath set forth to be a propitiation through faith in His blood, to declare His righteousness for the remission of sins 
that are passed through the forbearance of God to declare, I say at this time, His righteousness, that He might be just and the justifier of Him which believeth in Jesus. Where is boasting then? It is excluded. By what law? Of works. Nay, but by the law of faith. Therefore, we conclude that a man is justified by faith without the deeds of the law. Okay, now we read a lot of scriptures there, but basically what this is trying to teach us here is when it comes to keeping the whole law, okay, when it comes to measuring ourselves up by the law of God, there's none righteous. No, not one, is there? I mean, we've all broken a commandment, we all fall short of the glory of God. When we compare ourselves to God, we're all unrighteousness, aren't we? I mean, we're very unrighteous, aren't we? Compared to God. So when you measure yourself up to the law, you're unrighteous. When you measure yourself up to God, we are unrighteousness based off what? Based off our works of the law. Okay? When you got saved, it wasn't by works of the law. Because it wasn't it wasn't because you went to church, it wasn't because you got baptized, it wasn't because you never killed anybody. Okay? It wasn't it wasn't by works of the law in comparison to God and in Living up to the Word of God, we all fall short. And amen to that. We all fall short. And that's why we have to call on the name of the Lord for salvation and we declare His righteousness. Okay, Not our righteousness. We declare His righteousness. And so, when, so for example, when, uh, when you got saved, you got saved based on the righteousness of Jesus Christ. You got saved based on his works, okay? Alright, now try to try to follow me here. Alright, so now here's a way to you know brother brother Todd's not here today, okay? But brother Todd, uh, he's definitely the tallest person in our church, right? I thought when I was trying to think of how to explain this, I thought about Brother Todd. And I thought you got Brother Todd and then let's take Jason, alright? Now Jason, uh, there's a pretty big difference in the height. Now what if I taught Jason that listen, in order to be a real man, you have to be as tall as Brother Todd. I think Brother Todd's about six seven. Now, here's the thing: Jason will probably never be six foot seven. Okay, why? It's not in his genes, is it? He takes after me. You know, there, there's a, there, there's a lot more short. There's some height in my wife's side of the family. I think Tommy's got a little bit, bit of that, but on my side, there's a lot of shortness in there. And the truth is, you know, Jason would never be able to do that on his own. It's, it's just not in him. And all of us, we can never measure up to God as far as righteousness goes. You know why? Because it's not in our genetic code, is it? We were all born sinners. And so when measuring up to God, I mean, we are just natural born sinners. We are not righteous. But when you get saved, Christ's blood, it cleanses us to where now we do measure up to the law of God and we measure up to God. Why? Who gets? Where's the boasting? Uh, that's excluded, right? Why? Because Jesus Christ is the one who gets all the glory for that. I'm going to be able to stand before God righteous one day. I am righteous today, not because of my works of the law. You all could find something I've done wrong and say, no, you're a sinner. But yet, in God's eyes, I am righteous because of Jesus Christ and because of the work that He did. And I am on my way to heaven. I am saved today because of Jesus Christ. And thank God, He does measure up. 
His works did measure up to the works of the law. He fulfilled the law. He measures up to God because He is God. And we declare His righteousness. And I am righteous today because of Him. And I don't say that bragging one bit. I say that and all glory goes to God. And so we, you can, and there are many examples we can go to in the Bible where it refers to us as Christians and believers as being righteous. That, that we are righteous. Okay? So, and then, so that's, when, we, when the Bible talks about righteousness and how our righteousness is a filthy rag, it's in comparison to the works of the law. We've all fallen short. When it talks about our unrighteousness before salvation, it's talking about us measuring up to Christ. We all fall short. So I hope you all get that and you understand that. Alright? Every one of those verses are right. They all apply. But yet, there are there is another way that you can be righteous. There is another type of righteousness. This doesn't have anything to do with getting us to heaven, but it does have to do with right here on this earth. So for example, let's say we took two people and we compare we took one person who was a murderer. Someone who is guilty, they have killed somebody and it was not in self-defense. They murdered someone. They took someone's life. They are a murderer, right? And then let's take me for example. Okay, I've never killed anybody. I've never murdered someone. So I'm just, right? In that category. I'm righteous, aren't I? I've never done that. So I would be considered righteous. I'm justified. I'm not worried about going to prison right now for killing somebody. I'm righteous in that area. I'm just in that area. And so right now, there's also an earthly righteousness that God does expect from man. There's an earthly righteousness that God expects from us whether we're saved or lost. There are commands that He gave in the Bible. Things like the Ten Commandments. They apply to everybody. I can't go out... If I'm a lost person and I go out and kill somebody and then somebody comes after me and says, you know, the Bible does say thou shalt not kill. Yeah, but you know what? That's just for believers. And I'm not a believer, so I can kill people. Now, do you all, do you all believe that the Ten Commandments are for everybody? That they apply to everybody? Okay, I, I think we all understand that. But when you're righteous in an area, sin's going to bother you. Now, I can't imagine taking somebody's life. So unless it was in self-defense or something. I mean, I've had some pets that I wanted to murder, and I didn't even do that. I mean, I can't even imagine, you know, strangling a cat. Okay, I mean, I, I don't think I don't think I could do that. Choke a cat to death. Right? And I'm not I'm not the biggest cat fan in the world, but I'd have a hard time with that. I think I'd feel really bad. But imagine doing it to a human being. Now that thought bothers you, doesn't it? I hope it does. But you know what? There's some people it doesn't bother one bit. It does not bother them at all. They can take somebody's life. And they don't care. But you, it bothers you because you're righteous in that area. You've never done that before. And the longer you've gone in your life without committing a certain sin, the more that sin, or the thought of that sin, will bother you. Okay? So, for example, too, I grew up in a home where alcohol was completely forbidden. I mean, we didn't go anywhere that served alcohol. I mean, my dad had nothing. I mean, he had nothing good to say about alcohol. I mean, it was the worst stuff in the world. That's how I was trained growing up, and I always knew I was dead meat if I ever drank growing up. And you know, 
I was convinced. I learned what the Bible said, and I got older. I got out on my own. I turned 21, and I still continued to follow that law. And I'm, I'm 34 years old now. I was just talking with Brother Harsh about this the other day. And I was like, I cannot imagine what it would take to get me to drink alcohol. And I'm not saying that I'm better than anybody, but in that area, I'm righteous. Okay? And when you've gone 34 years and you've never done something like that, you know, that's a pretty good streak. I'd like to keep that going. You know, I'm going for 35. I don't want to blow that. And honestly, I'm not tempted in that area. I'm really not. I, I don't go to bars, but I think I could and not be tempted. I remember when I was a kid at a ball game. You know, there's a lot of drinking that goes on at ball games. First time I was ever at a Cubs game, and I remember going to the bathroom and watching a guy just barf his guts out into the sink. He'd been doing a lot of drinking. And I think I got cured right then. <laughs> and man, I just never been interested in that. And I'm telling you, when it, drinking, it bothers me. I can't stand being around it. I can't stand smelling it. It makes me sick. I hate what it does. I'm just being honest. And this, I'm not bragging, but I can't stand the thought of alcohol. I, I, I'm not tempted one bit to drink it. I have no interest in it at all. But yet, and I'm not picking on anybody here today, but there may be some here today that it would tempt you. You have, maybe in the past, maybe before you got saved, you struggled with that, and it is a temptation to you today. You're not righteous in that area, you've done that before. And therefore, you know, it's something that you deal with. It's a temptation that you face in your life. And maybe you might even be able to go do it and it wouldn't even bother you. If I did it, I mean, it would it would bother me greatly. I remember when I went the 40-some days without caffeine. And then finally, after a long, hard, stressful day of moving, I was, I was tired and I was like, I need a Dr. Pepper. And I went to the gas station. I bought a big one, not the twenty ounce, the bigger one. And I remember I, I went walking in there, and I, I did. I felt like I was going in there to buy alcohol. I felt like I was supposed to hide it coming out. And, I mean, I feel like that when I go to Menards. They have those good root beers there that look like beer bottles. And I love, you know, when I, before I take a drink when I'm driving down the road, I look around. <laughs> you know, one, I'm worried about police, but two, I don't want to have a bad testimony. People say I saw the pastor drinking and driving. You know, and it. I mean, I was nervous, but I remember I walked out of there, and Abby, she saw me, and she's like, you're drinking soda? <laughs> and I, yeah, I, I feel bad, but I drank it anyway. And it, it felt, I got a buzz from it. After going that long without drinking caffeine and drinking that much, it felt good. I thought about going that long again just so I can get that buzz from the caffeine because I don't get it anymore because I drink caffeine too much. But you understand, though, how certain things that some of some of you think you, you could never imagine doing that. You, there's certain places you can't imagine going. Things that you can't imagine saying, but yet others who maybe are not righteous in that area, you know, it wouldn't be nothing for you to lose your temper. Maybe just, I mean, just cuss somebody out. But if you've, if you've never done it, if you're righteous in that area, it's going to be easier and it's going to bother you more. Okay? Somebody, you know, somebody who's never who's never drank, they're going to be bothered more by that stuff than somebody who likes it, somebody who wants it, somebody who's not righteous in that area. And I'm saying if you're not righteous in some of these areas, I'm not picking on you. Thank God when it comes to the 
righteousness that really matters and getting to heaven, you're okay there. You're covered right there. But if you are righteous in a certain area, things are going to bother you. And Lot, for example, when we look at Lot, we see that guy had a lot of issues. And you know what? There's a lot of Christian people today who according to the Bible are just and they're righteous. But you know what? They've still got a lot of issues. And that's the thing that people like to bring up. Well, yeah, I know you're saved, but you know you still have these issues. You still have that issue. You know, you're still this. You're still that. But listen, Lot, his soul was still vexed by their unlawful deeds. Why? Because Lot wasn't a pervert. Lot wasn't like those men of Sodom. He wasn't like those Sodomites. And that stuff that was going on there that he had to see and listen to every day, he never did that, and that bothered him greatly. Obviously, drinking didn't bother him that much because we see him getting drunk when he goes out of Sodom. He wasn't righteous in that area, but when it and we you know we see some horrible things about Lot. We see he wasn't a very good testimony. We see he wasn't a very good witness to his family. But the Bible did call him just and righteous. And when it came to the sins that were going on in Sodom, he was righteous in that area. He never did anything like those guys were doing there, and it made him sick and it disgusted him. And you know what? I worry about people that aren't disgusted by the perversion that's going on in our country today. I worry about people that aren't disgusted. And I was at work the other day, and they were showing some gay marriage. These two guys get married and stuff, and they got to the kiss the whatever part. And I, I, I can't look at that. And you know what? I publicly expressed my disgust. <laughs> I didn't care. I didn't care. That's... I, it really makes me sick. I'm trying to eat, and I got they got that on the TV screen. I don't want to see that. That's disgusting. Uh, and you know what? Never done that, <laughs> and I don't I don't plan on ever doing that. It makes me sick. And if you're righteous in that area, it will make you sick. Now, if you're perverted, it might not bother you very much. It, you might think it's okay. And Lot wasn't a pervert. And therefore, the junk that went on there, it disgusted him. It vexed his righteous soul. And you know what? That's why the devil is working so hard to getting us to accept these sins that way. Because if we start participating in them, they won't bother us anymore. We won't speak out against them anymore. And that's why he works so hard to get us trying things. And so, you know, Lot, he was, he was messed up. He wasn't perfect, but yet... There were some things that bothered him because he was righteous in those areas. And when trying to measure up to the law of God, understand, we're guilty of murder just when we hate our brother, right? When comparing ourselves to the law of God, when comparing ourselves to God, we're guilty of murder just by hating our brother. However, did God institute the death penalty for those who hate their brother? No. But he did institute the death penalty for those who take another man's life. And just because and God doesn't even expect us as a society to put brother haters to death. But he does expect us to put murderers to death, doesn't he? Why? Because there's a, he, I'm not going to get put to death for that. I am righteous in that area. I have not murdered anybody in that area. I'm okay. And you say, well, what if I've already messed up in a certain area? Okay? And I'm not righteous. Well, God can change your heart. Go look at Romans chapter 6. Romans chapter 6, another familiar passage of Scripture, especially verse 23, but we're going to look a few before it. 
says, I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members servants to uncleanness and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members servants to righteousness unto holiness. You used to yield all that iniquity. You used to get caught up in all that garbage. Now, yield to righteousness and holiness. For when ye were servants of sin, ye were free from righteousness. What fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. You know what? There's, I I'm sure everybody, there's things from your past that now you're ashamed of. Things that you boldly used to be able to do. I mean, you'd, you'd be able to just, you could, you could cuss anybody out. You didn't care. But now, you know, you're ashamed of that. You look back on the things you used to do, and you're like, man, I wish, I wish I'd never done that. I'm sorry for that. You know, how, why is it different now? God changed your heart. Maybe you used to be a drunk or a drug addict or whatever, and now you're ashamed of that. You're sorry for that. Why? God changed your heart. He can do that. Verse 22, being now made free from sin and become servants to God, ye have your fruit unto holiness and the end everlasting life. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's talking about how sin always has a bad ending. Sin, all the final result of sin ends in death. Thank God He gives us that gift of eternal life and He can take our life and He can change our heart to where things that we used to boldly do that were wicked, now we're ashamed of it. And you know what? As far as what you've done in the past, I like what Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 28 says. It just says, Let him who stole steal no more. Don't do it anymore. Just quit. You know, so, oh, you know, I still want to. You know what? Give God time. He can change. He can change your heart. He can make it better. There always might still be a little bit of it there. But thank God, the things from the past are in the past, and you can be righteous from here on out. You may you used to do those things. You don't have to do them anymore. Romans chapter twelve, verse one says, "I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God." which is your reasonable service, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind, that ye may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. God wants us to set the example for what's right and wrong. He wants us to love the good and to hate the evil. And when, if I'm not saying that we think that we've never sinned before. I'm not saying that any of us measure up to God's standard that He gave us in His Word to the standard that He lives by Himself. I'm not saying that one bit. We all fell short of that. And we think if you've never received Christ as your Savior, well, you need to call on Him so He can take care of that for you. So you can declare His righteousness and stand before Him clean one of these days. But when it comes to here on earth, the things that we do, there is a law that God gave man that He expects us to keep. And the world's not keeping it. And it ought to bother us. And we ought to prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. He called the Christians to do that, not the lost people. He called the Christians to do that, not the politicians to set the standard for what's right and wrong. He called us to do that. We ought to hate the evil. Job 1.1 there was a man in the land of Uz whose name was Job, and that man was perfect and upright and one that feared God and eschewed evil. Now, does anybody think Job never sinned? 
Does anybody think that Job never one time before this ever transgressed one law? No. Of course he did. But you know what? He was perfect enough right before God. You know why? Because he was a believer. He was a saved man. And he hated evil. Well, I'm sure he did some bad too. But, yeah, in comparison to God, he had fallen short. And we all fall short of God. But as Christians, we should not fall short of this world standard. I mean, we ought to be above that. We're supposed to prove that good, acceptable, and perfect will of God. Amos 5.14, Seek good and not evil, that ye may live. And so the Lord, the God of hosts, shall be with you as ye have spoken. Hate the evil and love the good and establish judgment in the gate. It may be that the Lord God of hosts will be gracious unto the remnant of Joseph. Hate the evil. Love the good. That's what God expects from us. And it's like people today, they take those verses for all have sinned, and that's just an excuse. Yeah, you know what? No sense in trying to measure up to anything because we all fall short of the glory of God. And there's more than just us. You know, There's more to it than just that. God does expect certain behavior from man. He, Even if you're lost, God does not expect you to go around killing people. He doesn't expect you to go around stealing. He doesn't expect you to go around lying and cheating. And there are many things, examples that we can give in the Bible. We're not going to go into all of them. And that show that God does expect something from everybody if we are going to remain on this earth. That's why He instituted things like the death penalty. Some people have just got to go. And in Psalms 101, verse 2, I'll close with this. I will behave myself wisely in a perfect way. Oh, when wilt thou come unto me? I will walk within my house with a perfect heart. I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cleave to me. A froward heart shall depart from me. I will not know a wicked person. Now, does anybody here think David was perfect? Oh, we know that's not true. But he hated the workers of iniquity. He made some pretty big mistakes and God dealt with them for it. But understand, David still had a standard that he expected for himself and that God expected from David. When David sinned with Bathsheba, God didn't look at him and say, oh, David, you know what? You're just a sinner like everybody else. You've just fallen short once again. Therefore, it's okay. No, he, David got punished big time for that, didn't he? God was very displeased. The thing that David had done displeased the Lord. Now, what about maybe a bad thought David had had years before? You ever think David had a bad thought when he was a shepherd? Yet the Bible doesn't talk about that displeasing the Lord. And we know God doesn't like when we have bad thoughts. But once again, there is a certain code of conduct that God expects from sinners. And just because you're, you know, you're saved today and it's under the blood, it doesn't mean anything goes and it's all okay. There are some things God still expects from you that He expects from the whole world. And there are some sins that we ought to just hate and despise and it ought to bother us. And we need to take a stand for those things. And so with that, let's all go ahead and stand together.